SBC Media. Hello and welcome to Cinema Reels, the gambling movie podcast where we talk about which films featuring poker, betting, and casino are our best bet, and which ones are the cinematic equivalent of dead money. I'm Jessica Wellman, editor of SBC Americas, joined by John Cook, the commercial director of SBC Media, and James Ross, SBC's multimedia editor. And guys, first off, welcome to the pod. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. You seem thrilled to be here. And second off, uh, today we're going to be talking about Win It All, which, if you want to watch and haven't yet, is available on Netflix and is, I think, kind of in the vein of the gambler and the hustler kind of movies set in Chicago. So we're going to kick things off with a question. What is your favorite thing about Chicago? Even if you haven't been there, what came from Chicago that you love or a movie set in Chicago? For me, I think the first thing to say is I'm surprised that it's actually in Chicago because there is very few identifying features of Chicago to start off with, which is a pain in the, well, a pain to be able to get your head around. Um, But for me, the most exciting thing about Chicago is the Chicago Tribune building. And at the bottom of the Chicago Tribune building, there are artifacts in the wall that are stamped from everywhere from Egypt all the way through to uh, St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. And the story goes that when Chicago Tribune were there, they were basically artifacts that were picked up, in inverted comments, uh, by the editors that were roaming the country. And I just, I just can't get my head around the fact that not only is Chicago probably linked with one of the big, biggest crime gangs in the world and crime bosses in the world, but the Chicago Tribune got in on it as well by sending a load of thieves around to to <laughs> historical places globally. They just employed a bunch of Indiana Joneses to come around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, I was just about to say that they're either they're either employing a load of uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves and sending them around with tools to go and rip stuff off of walls, or uh, they are Indiana Jones. But I I'm intrigued how you get into to St Peter's Basilica when it doesn't have a door handle. Because that's currently in the wall of of uh, the Tribune building. <laughs> the door handle? Yeah. I go to Chicago a fair amount, and I have not been there. So now I've got a new place to go next time I'm there. James, how about you? Never actually been to Chicago, and I, I don't think I've ever actually really thought about Chicago. So I had to do a bit of research into the Wendy City. But what I did find out is actually one of my favorite arcade games of all time. The developers based in Chicago, and that's the Jurassic Park arcade game. Um, so that was cool. That's Raw Thrills who do that. They also developed a similar game for the Walking Dead arcade game. Oh, good shout. But yeah, that's kind of my favorite thing. Yeah. But it's a great arcade game as well because you literally sit in there and you've got a little gun that you hold and you have to shoot dinosaurs. Yeah. I played that and specifically the Jurassic Park 3 game. Jurassic Park 3 game? Yeah. I don't remember that. Why specifically? I don't know, but I think it was just because I was in high school and bored and I didn't like party. So my friend and I would go to Walmart where they had one and just try to beat Jurassic Park 3. Wow. So you're just being chased by a Spinosaurus. Essentially, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's the, the whole scene where you're in the like uh, Arboretum, like the 
pterodactyl pen or whatever as well. That was college or high school? High school. Oh, okay. You've got an excuse. You can't drink at high school, right? (laughs) Yeah. And I was a nerd, like a big nerd. So (laughs) I didn't get in any trouble. Instead, I just went and played games at Walmart. Chicago is one of my favorite, favorite cities in the U.S., uh, largely because it is a big city with the nicest people in it. Like, it brings a Midwest nice to it that you don't find in L.A. and New York. So that's what I love about Chicago is I just think it is all the, you know, kindness of the Midwestern people, of which I am somewhat a part of, rolled into a metropolitan city. John made a face at this. Yeah. Apparently you don't know nice people from Illinois. Well, to be fair, every time I've been into Chicago, it's been full of people from New York and Boston and other places where they typically don't like British people. Uh, uh-huh. But that's because I've been at finance conferences. But I've also, every time I've been in Chicago, nearly been run over by a car or a bus or a taxi or something like that. Oh, well, that's just, you know, big city big city problems i think so yeah all right uh so we're gonna talk more i know you guys didn't realize this was a chicago movie the only reason i kind of notice is one we open in wrigley field and win it all and two this movie is a partnership with jake johnson the star who is also best known for new girl and a jurassic world movie (laughs) uh to tie things neatly together (laughs) As well as uh, the director, Joe Swanberg, tends to set most of his movies in this city. Uh, he is known for what is called the mumblecore genre of film, which means it's more about characters and ad-libbing and dialogue-heavy scenes versus a big plot. But I'll do my best to kind of sum up the plot before we dive into our discussion. Before that, I hope it goes without saying... If you haven't seen this movie and you care to not have it spoiled for you, now's the time to turn this off. We are going to be talking about the movie, assuming everyone who's listening has seen it, so make your choices accordingly. All right. Eddie Garrett is a Chicago gambler grinding out his days as a parking attendant at Wrigley Field and squandering his earnings at night at the gambling tables. All that changes when one of his bookies that he's worked with is heading up the river to jail and leaves him a duffel bag full of money to watch over while he's doing time. Eddie tries to resist the temptation, but that proves to be a little more difficult than he expected and causes a lot more chaos than I think he ever could have anticipated. So top line, John, let's start with you. Just... Play or pass? Is this a movie you enjoyed watching? Pass. Hard pass. I mean, you get dropped into the movie from 10,000 feet, and if I hadn't just listened to uh, the way in which you explained it, uh, I would not have got that. Some of the characters in there, there is absolutely no introduction to who they are. You don't know why they're there, what they're doing. It's less mumblecore and just mumbling and bumbling along. So it's a hard pass. Having said that, Jake Johnson's one of my favourite actors, and you can't always be bored with him. His facial expressions are something to be adored. Um, that's what I'd probably suggest is the best thing about this film. Um, but look, that's my 101 in terms of introduction. Obviously, really good cast. All of them should be known for better films than this. Um, but they seem to 
tick through their life just kind of happy with doing rubbish films, which <laughs> someone's got to do it. It's kind of an honourable honourable thing to do, but I I would want bigger things for these people, to be entirely honest. That's my 101. So I'm going to agree with a pass. I won't say it was the strongest pass as John's saying, but I kind of went through a roller coaster of opinions post-watching the film, and I actually think I remember mentioning it to you, Jess, before we'd watched it. I went, it was good until the end. And then I actually turned my opinion, started going, yeah, it was good till the end. Actually, it was okay. And then I kind of realized that performances aside, the story itself wasn't strong. And that is mainly due to kind of rather the poor ending of the film. <laughs> and yeah, like John nailed it. The, the performance of uh, Jake Johnson, um, you had, who is it, Joe Lowe Toligo, is that who it is, from yeah, yeah, Brooklyn yeah. Nine-Nine? And Keegan-Michael Keyes, who's probably the best thing I've actually seen him in, because I'm not a biggest fan of his. Um, love Jordan Peele, but the other part of Kane Peele I'm not a fan of. But yeah, I think performances aside, the first two halves of it were, absolutely, were quite decent, they were strong, and then the ending just absolutely ruined everything about the film, I thought. All right, we'll get to the ending in a minute to just give my two cents. I agree, this is a pass but it's not as strong a pass as i kind of expected i loathe mumblecore movies in general just because i like my movies to have like a very clear driven narrative to them and this had a bit more of a narrative than some of the other joe swanberg movies that i've seen but i just indifferent is the perfect word to sum up how i feel about this movie like i was sitting in front of the tv it wasn't making me angry per se but I certainly didn't enjoy being there so I was just like oh this is the thing that exists I don't know that it needs to exist but I'm not bothered that it exists so yeah indifference is is pretty much how I sum this up because it is just very kind of you know light and and fluffy for mm. a gambling movie it's if you like Jake Johnson the other thing is, like, most of this movie is just a montage of Jake Johnson being by himself. Yeah. Mm. Which, like, as a performer, I can see why that would be an interesting challenge for you. But for me, it was just, there weren't a lot of scenes, right? You go, John. No, you go. You go. So polite. Well, we're British. There's nothing but politeness in Britain. Um, <laughs> you bring in some interesting points about it being really light. The story is beyond fluffy. And it's questionable. I, you say there's a storyline there. I, I think it's like a load of montages just slapped together with the hope that there is a link somewhere in there. I mean, characterization to start off with, you have absolutely zero idea who these people are. You enter a film, traditionally in a film, right? You get the, these are the main characters. This is what their backstory is. This is how they how they get through life. This one, as I said at the start, you're dropped in from 10,000 feet you don't have a clue what's going on. There is absolutely no backstory to the characters. I mean, I did not know that the guy that hands over the wadge of cash to to Eddie was a bookie. I had zero idea he was a bookie. He just appeared in the scene and then disappeared. It seemed a bit of a pointless character to me. Um, but the only reason he was there was to hand over a wadge of cash that can be flaunted away but being dropped in at that real high high sort of height and then to get there you're thinking okay 
we're not knowing much of the background. Hopefully, we're going to get a bit of a story here. You then go on through and through and through, and nothing happens. Absolutely nothing happens. Yeah, no. I, it is definitely, by the standard of other Joe Swanberg movies, is more plot-driven, but it's still not much of a plot. You're right. And I, I assume he's a bookie because when he when Eddie walks through the door, he's like, I don't owe you any money. And assuming he's a gambling addict and this is a, you know, thug-looking guy, for lack of a better explanation, my conclusion was he probably is gambling with him and has owed him money in the past. Uh, you obviously paid a lot more attention to it than I did, but that was <laughs> by the pure fact that it wasn't very attention-drawing. Um, um, more to the point, I think most of us have dealt with grainy film and grainy video images through the through the pandemic, the the graininess of the and quality of the filming just drove me up the wall. I just couldn't deal with it. But the graininess I actually felt was quite appropriate for the film. Um, you, I'm probably looking way too much into this, and it's just a low budget film. But where Eddie is in his actual life, he's he's on the low end of the spectrum. He's you know he's low in life. He's B. He's there's nothing to him, and that kind of graininess of his day-to-day -day life is kind of reflected in the cinematography of the film. So I thought that was kind of appropriate. I mean, it is just a low-budget film, but I think the, the two kind of went hand in hand. I think that was more of a fluke than done by deliberate uh, deliberate means. But maybe you are reading too much into it, but now I kind of see the point. Yeah, I mean, I, question, is it an aesthetic choice or is it a budget choice? <laughs> and I think it answers probably a little bit of both. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, more budget, I would imagine. I will say, too, you know what, really, the one thing that did annoy me about this movie, and, you know, John, I think you've mentioned, there's not character development here, particularly with Eddie. We don't know much beyond, like, he's a degen, right? And so explain to me why this seemingly lovely nurse in a bar is willing to like spend the evening long past the time she should go to bed with this person when we've not really been given any indication they click in any particular way or that they have anything in common or that they're sparking like i think really we just see her like poke we see him poke her elbow and it's like oh i guess they're gonna fall in love now <laughs> there is zero chemistry between them as actors as well you wouldn't see them walking down the street right no, I mean, she talked to him like, like a patient, like she's being polite yeah. because she's required to. Yeah, and also you develop a little bit further in the film and he suddenly turns around and says, well, actually, I'm not a rich guy, I'm actually a broke guy. And there was no recompense for that. She was like, oh, okay, then let's fall in love anyway. It just didn't make sense. Well, also, like, you know, how how big could that dive bar tab have been? A hundred bucks? <laughs> Like, I don't think that she was like, I caught me a big fish. I'm going to be a kept woman. This guy picked up the tab at the dive bar last night. You know, like, oh, you're not a you're not a rich, successful person. Shocker. I mean, does that stuff still happen in dive? Does that stuff happen in dive bars? That was kind of like a a rich, a rich person move, not just a rich guy move. It was a rich person move. Right. Send the drinks over there. They made such a effort to accentuate the fact that it was a dive bar by one of his mates behind the bar basically saying i'm not going to do that and then oh i'll pay you for this it was kind of a little bit of a stretch of the imagination that that was even going to happen it was just bizarre 
I think the bigger stretch is that it worked. Like, yeah, you know, like, I just don't believe that a girl's night out of people are going to, you know, because a guy bumped into you and bought you a drink. I don't know. It feels kind of creepy to me. It was creepy. It didn't fit. It it doesn't just feel creepy. It was creepy. It was kind of like, I'm going to bump into you deliberately as well. The only thing I did buy is that I did like the chemistry of the group of friends. Oh, I was just going to say the opposite. Oh. I didn't think that worked at all. Mainly because you didn't see enough of it, right? Because it was just kind of like they were background background fillers. There was nothing to it. It was just kind of like, oh, here's my group of friends and all of a sudden everyone's best mates. It's like you've gone to college together. Okay, fine. But there, you get that awkwardness, right? That awkward connect. There, I suppose the big thing about that scene was that there wasn't very much reality to it. It was all sort of a little bit too convenient. Yeah, from what I remember with the friends group, from my remembering of it, is when you're actually introduced to them, they don't seem like a group of friends. He just seems like a group of strangers that he's met and just bought him a drink. It's only later in the film that you start to realize there's a little bit of a connection between them. Maybe I was just so desperate to care about anybody <laughs> in this movie that I was like, I don't know, this guy with the long hair, this Miles Teller looking fellow seems fun and... So does this dude singing in the karaoke. Yeah, we'll care about them. Why not? James raises a good point in terms of the friends. Kind of going back to the love interest being thrown in, because um, I didn't add my two pens into that. Um, I generally think it was just included to, one, create a love interest, but also create that kind of narrative of Eddie hiding these secrets and kind of portraying um, just a normal life of someone who's got, a, who's got issues of problem gambling who hides it from the person that they love. I think that whole silence and deception thing was the only reason she was thrown in. Could they not have done that with his sponsor as well? No, because it doesn't talk on the heartstring as much, does it? No, true. We'll get to this later on too, but like the idea that you were a lifelong problem gambler and because like you went on a couple dates with a nurse, you're going to turn your life around? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Is a little stupid. Uh, like, I mean... Not it's unbelievable. It's too, and it's kind of irresponsible. I think like that's it's not how gambling addiction works. No, I completely agree with you on that one. Yeah, I also think how it was kind of how many problems did the guy have with gambling? Right, he would just basically gamble on anything, and he would go anywhere to gamble on anything. Yet he chooses to go. I think you, Jesse, you mentioned it in terms of pre-talking around this um he goes to a dive casino where he could have gone somewhere much better much easier I, I suppose my thought was actually going to the point that it was from a film perspective they just kind of set the scenes they set the gambling scenes in places where they could as opposed to thinking about it because if you look at the race school scene that was really clear that they just basically got a couple of horses to run in the field. It was empty. There wasn't much interest in there. There were a few extras, but they couldn't afford to get a lot of them. So, well, that's my perspective from a European standpoint, where actually if you go to a race course, it's pretty rammed all the time, where I don't know what it's like in a US race course because I've not been there. Um, but it just seemed a little bit implausible some of the locations they were picking to demonstrate the gambling uh, addiction that he had. 
So now is a, a good time to kind of run through the, the gambling fact check of this. You're right that, you know, it was very sparse, these racetrack scenes. It varies greatly track to track, but some of these, you know, more working class kind of tracks, if they run during the week, they will be fairly sparsely attended. Um, that that didn't bother me as much. It's more the idea that he's going to put a suit on to go to the racetrack. I, I guess I, I got the impression that maybe his character didn't do this very often. And he was just kind of like performing the idea of what he thought a horse gambler was. I felt that about all of the gambling scenes. <laughs> he just didn't do it very often. And he was pretending to do it. Even when he was, even when he was in the makeshift casino at the very well, I say start of the film, but when he first loses a large chunk of money, that just kind of didn't look right for me either. He just looked uncomfortable. And then as you progress through the film, you get into these scenarios which are supposedly um, higher risk areas where he dresses, like you say, he dresses in the suit to go to the race course, right, and then. He turns up to a backhouse game, high stakes game, dressed as a blues brother. In a suit as well. <laughs> as they said in the film, it was the blues brothers, right? He just didn't get it. Yeah. He's performing the idea of what a gambler is, but if you were this deep into it, you kind of learn along the way how things work, which is strange. It's a problem I, I notice a lot in gambling movies, which is you have to convey that they have a problem and you have to convey that they're kind of bad at gambling to an audience that doesn't understand what a bad gambler necessarily looks like. You know what I mean? So you have to resort to some of these kind of hacky tropes to, to get that message across to a layperson. Um, I've got my list of things that are just really baffling to me. I don't know why you would go to a casino uh, and when we say casino, this is like a dingy basement. Mm. It's like a back room thing. And he's he's going to buy in for $60? Um, unless these stakes are fairly small, like smaller than a dollar. Uh, $60 is not going to last you very long. Um, you know, it's if you're playing like a dollar a hand blackjack, maybe. But like who's offering a dollar a hand blackjack even if you're an underground casino? Um, so that didn't really jive the amount of money he was buying in for early in. Here's the other thing. <laughs> this is the only time that I got so upset in my notes that I turned on caps lock was at one point he buys in with $50 bills, which is I, even if you are not a particularly superstitious gambler, no regular gambler that I know will even touch a $50 bill. They are considered super, super unlucky and it's one of those things like one time I owed a friend of mine who played poker money and I was like, I have it with me, but the ATM give me 50s. And they were like, just give it to me another time. Does that not symbolize kind of like the bad luck that Eddie's going through? If he's saying like the 50s are so bad luck and he's so bad at gambling. Could just be a nice connection between the two. But don't you think he'd be the guy that's like, well, no, because if I, well, the reason I lost is because I gambled with 50s. Like he seems like exactly the guy who would be paranoid about gambling with 50s. Especially because he's so paranoid about how he turns up to the higher stakes game, right? Yeah. He needs to have a bad guy, which I just didn't get. <laughs> um, but, but 
you'd kind of th- i didn't know the 50s were unlucky that may be why i've been unlucky in vegas yeah never buy in <laughs> with 50s Ugh. we tend to get 50s in the uk when we change up change up uh, pounds no we, we don't like 50s bad 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 right good to know I will, I will make sure I don't ever do that again. Yeah. Maybe your experience with Americans isn't actually like hating British people. It's just hating you spending 50s. <laughs> They're not judging you for your denomination yeah. choices. Yeah. They're just like, another 50. Jeez. So yeah, this final poker scene, by the way, he gets kicked out in, of the underground casino. And he's like, how? And he's lost all of this money in the bag that he needs to win back very quickly. He's like, well, I got kicked out of this one underground casino in Chicago. So now I'm out of options. There are like four gigantic casinos within an hour of Chicago. And more to the point, he drove there, right? So he'd got, he's got transportation. Yeah. So he could have got to the more established casinos. He could go to Gary. He could go to Des Plaines. He could go to any of these places. And instead, he's going to go to this high stakes poker game. It seemed like he was fairly, uh, you know, willing to play anything and gamble at any game. So it's like I never got the impression in the movie that like poker is what he was particularly good at, especially because they're playing five card draw, which is just a game you don't see in casinos. Can I ask a quick question about this high stakes game? Sure. When they arrive at the when they arrive at the venue, it looks like a high school. When they go through the door, it looks like a electronic superstore. When they get into the when they get into the game, it's basically another dive bar. Where do these buildings exist in America? <laughs> I think it's a shopping center. Oh, really? Yeah, so we have these like strip mall shopping centers. Um and usually there are kind of bigger box stores that anchor them. That my my guess was that it was like a a Circuit City kind of big box store in uh, or a Best Buy. I can't believe I just used Circuit City as an example. Um, that hasn't existed for a while. Uh, anyways, like I thought it was one of those. Um, and I've been to many a poker game in a random strip mall. Fair. Okay. So. I just question the choices of the location in terms of where they're filming. Mainly that's because I'm thinking about filming rather than the gambling, but uh, I just question the location because it did not look like a strip mall. Yeah, I question the game too because, as he points out, they're they're playing on a poker table that you would usually see in like a fraternal order of police hall or a veterans hall, the the smaller tables versus the full casino-style tables. They're playing with like a garbage, they're playing with crappy chips. So here's like your fun fact for the day. These chips that they're playing with are just like standard looking chips that you would be able to buy at like, you know, a a supermarket or something like that. If you're in a real high stakes game, typically they order specific chip sets because if you're running the game regularly, you don't want somebody to be able to go to, you know, a target buy the same chipset that you are and palm in new chips. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, in both the underground casino and in this scene, I was like, these chips are really low quality um, that certainly someone would cheat and, and bring in their own chips at some point in time. Yeah. I would imagine that would have been the easiest way to get away with bringing in a couple of that just by having simple chips that you can palm in, as you say. But yeah, I mean, the only thing that I will say is, you know, James, I'm curious your thoughts on the ending. 
I appreciated that if they were going to have him win the money and have it turn out okay, that at least the way they did it was he won a hand where he was like super gambling, where he says a set, which is three of a kind, versus a bigger set, a bigger three of a kind, and he had a flush draw that hit there, which means he decided to to gamble it up and call without the best hand with the hope of improving to the best hand. And I was like, that seems in character for him. Mm-hmm. I don't I like that he didn't outplay them in particular. Uh, and that we didn't see him like playing extremely well. He just got really lucky. That's the nicest thing I have to say about the ending. I would say to anyone who actually wants to watch this film, if you've got if you're a sufferer from problem gambling, just stare away from this film because that ending is just pure hatred for me. You go through this film and you are you do kind of follow his his journey, and I got quite into it. Certainly when he started showing these, you know, the amount of money he was losing. It kept coming up like sporadically through the film. And I liked that he was suffering throughout the film. But what I didn't like at the end is instead of trying to find a meaningful solution, which he tried to do with his brother, Joe, um, Joe Lowe, Trologi's character, it's go big or go home, pretty much. You know, all in, all out. Mm-hmm. And if you are suffering from problem with gambling, you watch that film, it's a poor message to kind of like convey over. And that's kind of where I was like, You've just lost me as from this journey. I wanted to see how he kind of picked himself up, not this Hail Mary ending where he was just betting and betting and betting. And got there. And I'll be honest, if he didn't have the Yeah, and got there. And if he didn't have a heart attack, I'll be honest, he probably would have lost it all anyway. Was it a heart attack or was it a panic attack? I thought it was a heart attack. It was a heart attack. This is the thing that got me the most, right? If you want to talk about detail, that dude had a heart attack. It- and he was out of the hospital in yes. 30 seconds, and he was right as rain. Yeah. What's that all about? Two minutes later, he was having a Sunday dinner. Yeah. Did you see, too, when he's, like, getting up, the doctor comes in and just kind of smiles at him, like, oh, I see you're leaving. Goodbye. That's yeah, why I exactly. thought it was a panic attack, because if it was a heart attack, wouldn't they keep you longer? They'd keep you longer. They'd make sure you'd survive. I'm sure he said he had a heart attack when he got to the... House. Well, I figured he was just lying. <laughs> <laughs> so my favourite thing of the whole film actually comes in the credits. What, when it's over? Apart from when it's over. <laughs> oh, yeah, this moment is pretty funny. So he gives the bag back to the guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the bag gets back to the guy, and it shows just how rubbish a person he is and how he forgets everything and he's just uselessly organised. He's got, like, 40 bucks or 400 bucks extra in the bag. It's like something that it just it just wouldn't happen. It just wouldn't happen. Yeah, I get the idea. He's slightly over, but seriously, is someone going to care if they if they're going to sit there and they're going to go, oh, it's four hundred bucks over. Count it again. It's got to be right. Yeah. Surely, if it's four hundred bucks over, they're going down the bar. He's, this guy's just come out of prison. Yeah, I think it's I think it's weird. I I would be like, oh, that's weird. There's more in here than I left, but I wouldn't be freaking out over it. No, very odd. I want I'm, I'm going to do a shout out to actually, you know, um, Keegan Michael Key's character who plays a sponsor. Yeah. Oh, we haven't dived into him yet. We've got. To dive yeah, into we him. need to. I thought his portrayal of a sponsor is exactly how a sponsor would want to speak to people that they deal with who are just rebounding all the time. <laughs> it was just. It was. The, I was watching, I thought that was perfect. It was funny. That was the only thing 
that was the only thing in the whole film that basically said this guy's got a problem and gambling issue mm. it was the only thing that underlined it all because yeah he was losing money yeah he was doing stupid things but because you got absolutely zero backstory about him and he's conveniently given a bag of cash you kind of expect that the predictable nature of these type of films the dude's going to go to rock bottom come back out at the end and it's going to be happy and it's going to be a disney ending right but his character was just just so annoyed with him <laughs> just so wound up at all stages and some of the things were just hilariously funny the the fact that he gets there at two o'clock at night this guy's a reformed gambling addict he's now leading a is now leading a 12-step program for other gambling addicts. That all made sense to me. It's the only thing that made sense to me in the whole film. Apart from when he told him to go to a big stakes game. Yeah. Yeah, that was just irresponsible. <laughs> I mean, he has to know he's a garbage gambler. The idea isn't, oh, let me get you in this like big game where you're going to... It's not like he's... You never get the impression he's good at gambling. I think, doesn't he say he's like, you're literally terrible at gambling, the sponsor? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's addicted to losing. It's an odd choice, uh, for sure. I do like, too, that he's the only one that... Uh, I'm trying to be, you know, empathetic and put myself in other... If I had, like, a loser sibling who has been a gambling degenerate his entire life, and for six weeks he behaved himself, I don't think I would have the buy-in that the brother and the friends and the girlfriend and the family all have about this guy. They're like, oh, well, he changed. It's been a month and a half. Yeah. Uh, and I'm glad that his sponsor was the only one who was like, oh, yeah, no, you you still suck. Like, I kind of think the brother underlined that, right? I kind of think he turned around and went, when he comes back to say, look, I'm really in trouble here. I'm going to get killed if I don't find this money. I think the brother kind of turned around and went, you're kidding, right? Absolutely not. Yeah. But then when the girl comes along and all of that side of things and when the family meet, it's all sort of a little bit cherry on top, rosy, frosting, all that sort of side of things that just wouldn't happen, right? I did hate, I hated the let's just play the credits over this family dinner scene business. Mm -hmm. That was eye rolling. Because um, yeah, back to what James said, like the the irresponsibility of suggest of this ending just like and everything's fixed now the end yeah. um and we presumably assume he's not gonna gamble anymore and that he's gonna settle down because he's been dating a girl for six weeks yeah as a as a stepfather someone who who has a son who was introduced at sort of uh, a relatively early stage six weeks you're not going to have a polite child like that. Doesn't matter how nice that child is. Whoever is coming in, they're going to be like, huh? Who are you? It just doesn't work like that. Especially if they were like 45 minutes. Like, this, by the way, is the funniest part to me to like fact check. Fact check the US healthcare system. You're not getting admitted to a hospital in the span of like 30 minutes <laughs> the fact that he's in a in a bed in a room means that they've admitted him which means like it's been hours more to the point if he's a problem gambler he doesn't have insurance right no no that's gonna get expensive that was quite a nice room and he was covered <laughs> and they let him well, walk out immediately yeah but they let him walk out surely there would be a case of someone from the accounts department going 
sign this check. Sign sign the paperwork. Heel and dash. That's what it was. No, they bill you later. They they bill you later. Yeah, I get that, but there was no sort of there was no sort of administrative nature to yeah. like to that. It was just kind of like, oh, here's a room that just happens to have a hospital bed in it, and we assume he's ill, so let's just deal with it there. But sorry, I'm just moaning about the film again. <laughs> no, I know we're all. We sound worn out about it. And I'll be honest, we were going to do a new segment this episode called Back It Up, which is whether or not we would back the gamblers in this movie. But based on our conversation, I'm pretty sure we would just reiterate what we've already said, which is that, no, we would not give him a dollar. Um, I might actually back him. Because if I didn't watch... Because he's on a hot streak? No, if I didn't watch watch his process, if I didn't watch anything that the way... He got to his, the the conclusion. He's got me an extra four hundred bucks. <laughs> he had my money. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's a good idea. I tell you who I'd back in this. I'd back the brother. Mm. You'd invest in the lawn care. Company. I'd invest in the business. <laughs> that brother's got his head screwed on. The rest of them, I'm not sure they're sane. Or maybe you maybe you try and turn the twelve step dude into a a gambler. <laughs> 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 I would try to break the spirit of the reformed gambling act because he seems very, very on top of it. He seemed to have his head screwed on. <laughs> you reckon he could get back out of it? It would be fine. And that high stakes game, it seemed like, um, it seemed like they were easy enough to beat. And if he was such a great gambler, he would have, uh, he would have beaten them hands down, right? By the way, that high stakes game, those extras are actually, I recognize a couple of them. They are poker players in real life. Oh, that's oh, cool. they? Um, one whose name is, given name is Craig Casino. Nice. Which is a great name to be a poker player. And then uh, Stan Jablonski is another one I recognize. So it, it seems like they got area people to at least take part in that poker scene. That probably costs more than the film in its entirety, right? To get them to play that game. Here we go. We'll just give you that. <laughs> That's where the budget went to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They weren't actually faking it. They were playing for real. We have a duffel bag full of money and we need to double it if we want to make this movie. <laughs> they were playing for real to fund the rest of the credits. All right. Uh, this is not necessarily as high stakes a game as the end of this film had, but it is quiz time. Hmm, I'm looking forward to this. These are questions not really related to the movie itself, if you haven't played the quiz before, but just inspired by various things. So uh, we will start. And you know what, John, we'll let you answer first. So each of you will, I'll read the question. You'll pick what your answer is. I'll tell you who got it right, who got it wrong. Oh, we got multiple choice. Some of them, yes. Oh, okay. All right. Jake Johnson starred in New Girl, which ran for seven years in the United States. Over under 150, how many episodes did the show produce? More or less than 150? I'm going to go less, just. Um, so how many seasons? That means you've got to go more. Yeah, I mean, realistically, yeah. But I'll... Yeah, you can game theory this a little bit. Seven seasons. Yeah, seven seasons. There's about 20 episodes in a season. Mm. You know what? Yeah, go on. 140, right? Yeah. Wait, can I go lower or do I have to go higher? No, you can pick under as well. 
Yeah, I'll go. I'll go under. Do you want to pick a number? Ooh, nearest closest. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll go. I'll go one four seven. John. Oh, easy. I'll go one four six. Oh no! Come on. I'm profoundly <laughs> impressed because John got it exactly right. Oh, <laughs> there were 146 episodes of New Girl <laughs> over the seven seasons. Uh, I... Oh, I'm. That shouldn't be allowed. <laughs> that's that's too tactical. No, I'm not having this. Uh, James, this one you can answer first. Uh, Eddie goes to meetings at Gamblers Anonymous. In what year was Gamblers Anonymous founded? A, 1937, B, 1947, C, 1957, or D, 1967? Mm, 1957. I have no idea. John? I'm going to go... 47 would be too soon. Yeah, I would have said 57 as well. So I'm going to go... 67. The answer is 1957. <sighs> That's what I would have gone. <laughs> Redemption from that last round, to be honest. Uh, John, you can answer first on this one. Eddie works as a parking attendant at Wrigley Field. Which costs more? An official Chicago Cubs baseball hat available in the team store or parking at the stadium on a game day? Which is more expensive, the hat or the parking spot? Parking, 100%. Um, it's got to be. I'm just going to go cap. Let's go that one. The parking spot is more expensive. The most expensive hat in the store runs $43.99. Parking... It's got to be 50 bucks, all right? ...is between 45 and $60. Oh. All right, James, uh, you get to answer this next one first. Are you all familiar with prices right rules, which means uh, you guess, and if you go over, you lose? Uh, yeah. Yeah. We are now. <laughs> Price is right rules. How many Emmy nominations has Keegan-Michael Key earned for his work on the sketch show Key and Peel? Oh, I do not have a single clue on this one, so I'm going to go. Can I have a clue? How long has it been about? I don't know off the top of my head. Oh, right. Let's, let's go six. John? I reckon four. James is the winner. The answer is nine. Nine. I'll take that. That's what happens when you produce, write, direct, star in. (laughs) Everything. (laughs) Do everything. Uh, You can earn four or five in a year on a single show. All right. Final question. It's a gambling one. John, you get to answer first. In the film's final poker scene, Eddie makes a big deal about the fact that play is not on a standard Hold'em poker table. How many seats are at a standard Hold'em poker table? A7, B8, C9, or D10? I don't play poker. I'm going to go seven. James? Oh, I'm trying to think of my uh, experiences playing poker on an Xbox game online. Um, um, I was thinking about the World Series poker on PSP, Sony PSP. Then, oh, prominence poker on the Xbox. Um, eight. I'll go eight. You are both wrong. The correct answer is nine. 
Bond. Do I get it because I was closest? No, no, that's not <sighs> how this one works. So we are tied. And also, it, that wasn't the option, right? Who's eight? Was it seven, eight? Seven, eight, nine, or ten? I thought it was five, seven, nine. Ah, uh, right, there was eight. All right, I'll give you that. Trying to make me look stupid on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are down to a tiebreaker. And the tiebreaker I'm going to give you is on Rotten Tomatoes, what is the average rating of this movie? Closest answer wins. Remember, it's out of 10. 87.5. No, it was a percentage. The average rating, not the approval percentage. The average rating. Oh, the average rating. Is, is out, out of five? Ten. Really not ten. Um, I'll... Three point three. John? Three point four. <laughs> oh, no! You know we can't do that. <laughs> there needs to be a rule. No, I'm not in that one. He's going to... I hate to break it to you. He's going to win this. But, but here's what I will say. The average rating of this... Is actually more than your predictions added together. The average rating what? of this movie is 6.8 out of 10. Get out of here. No, run to my, I don't know what we're talking about. This is why I don't... Or oh, anyone reviewing that. Yeah, no. Who's watched this film? It has an 85% approval rating. So, uh, yeah, the average score is a 6.8 out of 10, which means, John, you... Have won the quiz. No. Home run. That's not how this underdog story should have gone. Uh, your your prize is a duffel bag full of cash. Uh, nice. No, it is not. <laughs> All right, John, as our quiz champion, you have won the right to determine which side of the coin these movies are going on. You get to pick which side goes for croupier, and our other movie is going to be casino. So you need to tell me heads or tails. Uh, I think I'm going to pick Tails for Casino. All right. Casino is Tails and... All right. We're going with Marty Scorsese as it has landed Tails. So Casino will be the next movie that we will deep dive into on Cinema Reels. I'm going to pack a lunch because it's going to be a long one. And we will see you next time on Cinema Reels. (laughs) 